Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Amen. Would you guys go ahead and stand for the Lord? Come on, 10 second praise break. Make your praises loud, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Come on, have a seat, have a seat. God is good. Oh, can you guys just give it up for one of our amazing prayer leaders, Grant? Oh my gosh. Grant, Sydney, Johan, come on. They help lead in our prayer room and they're obviously a part of our worship team. And uh, you know, Grant, we don't take you for granted. You know what I'm saying? I've been sitting on that for like two years straight, and I've been waiting for the moment to use it. Um, but seriously, this morning was some of the most intimate worship we've ever had. How many of you know the Lord is near right now? How many know the Lord is near right now? He is in this place, and I want to I keep this tenderness alive. I want to keep this moment as pure as possible. I want to keep myself out of the way. And maybe you're new with us this morning, and maybe you've not seen a church like ours where, yes, we... We tend to go for hours. We tend to let the Lord do his thing. And we tend to allow him to actually be Lord of our lives and not just something that we check in and we get in under an hour and 15 minutes like it's some sort of microwavable meal. But no, we come and we allow him to marinate among us. Amen. We allow him to come and just change us from the inside out. We don't call ourselves a home for anybody else but him. It's not my home. It's not your home. It's his home. And we get welcomed into his table, welcomed into his presence. Amen. So this morning, that's actually what's taking place right now. You see, we just did a 10-second praise break, and I love the 10-second praise breaks. I love it. I don't know if you know about this, but we love to stand and hoot and holler and shout for him. But I want to tell you, friend, it's not hype. It's holiness. Because my goal and my hope in that moment is that we wouldn't just get loud and excited, but we would realize that a praise break actually is designed to last far longer than simply 10 seconds. My hope and my goal would be that you would have so much fun praising his name, getting so loud and obnoxious and rambunctious before him that you would realize that things would break off you and you would realize that you were actually called to be a living praise break. That your life is called to be broken open before him and poured out in praise. That is what we do here. That is who we are. That is what this church has been established and built upon since day one, friends. We just want to be broken open for him as an offering of fragrance, a gift of praise. Amen. And there's a reason I've, I've asked our worship team. There's a few great prophetic songs that say the word waste. I want to waste my love, waste my life, waste this. And I'm sitting here going, I know the scripture that that's based off of. But the POV, if you will, of that moment, the one who uses the word waste is not Jesus, it is Judas. It is not Jesus, it is Judas. Judas is the one saying, she is wasting. We could have sold it, we could have done this, friends. And I want to tell you, when we come and we give God two hours on a Sunday, you're not wasting anything at his feet, you are spending it at his feet. You are giving him an offering that he does not much get in western Michigan. That's not a shot across the bow at any other home or any other house. We are one kingdom, and I love and I honor every other church, every other place. I love you. But here at Takeover Church, we have made it our personal mandate. Lord, if you're looking for a place to come and dwell, dwell here. If you're going to come near, come near here. If you're going to come and burn upon a people, burn upon a people here. That is what we do. 
So this morning, we're going to continue just that. You see, for us, we have, we have a prophetic word for our church for the year of 2023, and we're called to be fire upon the earth. It comes out of Luke 12, 49 through 50, fire upon the earth. You see, there's all this talk about what Jesus came to do and what Jesus came to accomplish and all of these things about who Jesus is, but actually, the good Dr. Luke, he records in his gospel exactly what Jesus' game plan has been this entire time. It has been to come and cast fire upon the earth. He says he has a baptism of fire that he would bring, that he would do if it was already kindled, if the people were already dry of all the things in this world and ready to burn for him. Do I got anyone who's ready to be kindling in the room this morning? I don't know about you, but everything of the world just evaporates in me, burns out of me when we get in his glory like we did today. So we're gonna to continue to steward this prophetic word and we're gonna get into week 34 of fire upon the earth. Week 34. So if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon this morning, are you ready? The shadow of fire. The shadow of fire. The shadow of fire. And yes, we say sermon here because we are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. The church is his body, his kingdom here in the earth. We are a separate country. We are on mission to Michigan. We are on mission to America, but we are our own nation. And like every other nation, we have our own verbiage. We have our own language. We have our own tongue. We have our own speech. We have our own etiquette. And friends, we say sermon. We say favor. We say grace. We say mercy. We say forgiven. That is valued here. Amen. It's who we are. I'm telling you, when you go out into the world and you just get super peculiar before people and they start going, what, is, what do you mean you got favor of God? What does that mean? I'm telling you, you will open up a conversation because you are speaking a language to this world that knows nothing about the kingdom that you and I come from. But all of a sudden, they're like, I can have favor with God? You're dang right, you can. Let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus. Are you ready for the word of God? We're going to the book of Acts this morning. Acts 5 Acts 5, 12 through uh, 42. It's 20 verses, it's okay. As, uh, as Evan said earlier, we've got a Hank coming at you. But if you don't have your Bible, there's lots of blue ones out there. You can have one of those or on or around your seat. That's our gift to you. It'll also be up on the Sky Bible. Can you guys give it up for Kenny Gillespie and Kelsey McDonough hanging out in the back, holding it down? Oh my gosh. Couldn't do it without you guys. Love you so much. All right, Acts 5, 12 through 42. Here we go, ready? Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets, laid them on cots and mats. And as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick to those that were afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Somebody say all. Somebody say healed. Somebody say delivered. Come on. But the high priest rose up and all were with him. That is the party of the Sadducees. They don't have Jesus. That's why they're sad, you see. And filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles, put them in the public prison. Yeah. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Amen. Life is actually capitalized because it's a person. 
And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate, all the people of Israel, sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed, wondering what this would come to. Someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem, filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to those things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But the Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, held in honor by all of his people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do to these men. For before these days, Thaddeus, he rose up and claimed to be somebody. And a great number of men followed him. About 400, and, uh, about 400 joined him and he was killed. And all of his followers who followed him, they dispersed and came to nothing. After him, there was a guy named Judas and he was a Galilean. He rose up in those days in the census and he drew away some of the people after him and he too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the dishonor for the name. Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching the Christ is Jesus. I said the Christ is Jesus. I said the Christ is Jesus. We're going to pray and we're going to see what the Lord will do. Sound good? Come on. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you right now in this moment. We look to the hill from where our help comes from. The one who makes mountains in the valleys and valleys in the mountains. The one who has the very creation, universe speaking life and the power of his tongue. God, that's whom we look to today. And we ask, Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit? Would you send your Holy Spirit in this moment to teach us, to guide us, to lead us into all truth, God. Right now, you will find a yielded people. Lord, if you're looking for yieldedness, find it here at 3584 Roger B. Chaffee, Lord. If you're looking, if you are looking for a bride that will do what your son does, go where your son goes, speak how your son speaks, and behave how your son behaves, then God, look no further. May you find it here at Takeover Church. Father, I ask right now that you would do such a radical work in this room. That right now, Lord, from the seasoned saints to the freshly saved, to those who are being adopted into the family and born anew this morning, right now, God, I ask 
I ask for such a radical endowment of the Holy Spirit in this moment, God. It would be Pentecost Sunday all over again. Change us, God. Reshape us, reform us, remake us into your son's image and likeness. Find us yielded to be putty in the clay maker's hands. Father, today we ask to be made a vessel appropriate for your mission. Make us a vessel. Make us an offering. You have our yes. And we give everything else a no. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory, honor, and power. You are so worthy and due. Jesus, my name, a faithful church said, amen. Amen. A shadow of fire, a shadow of fire, a shadow of fire. You see, I... I asked the Lord when we were going into the summer, because I don't know if you know this in West Michigan, we got this thing called beaches, and uh, we tend to like our beaches here, and that's all good and well, but in terms of summertime, all of a sudden, we tend to like a lot of other places and a lot of other things more than church, if I'm being honest. That is what we have found when we came to the land of Mitten. That's what we found. And so our goal since day one for five years straight has been to work against that. I'm not going to affirm the culture that is here. We're going to come, we're going to infiltrate the culture, and we're going to see Jesus take over the culture. Amen? Because the time is going to come when the beach is no longer your relent, the beach is no longer your refuge, the traveling is no longer your safe place, but the church is. Because the world is going to get darker. It's already dark. Things are going to get more chaotic, more, more all of these gender ideologies and all of these things are going to be pushed upon our people. And suddenly we're going to be found in this place where you no longer feel safe anywhere else. No longer will you find refuge in any other place but the house of God. That day is quickly approaching and I am tasked as a pastor alive in 2023 to equip the bride for such a day. And I am telling you, this house, this place will be a refuge. And so when I asked the Lord, I said, what do you want to do this summer? What do you want to do? How do you want to burn upon these people? He said, Matt, teach my people to pray. Teach my people to pray. The single greatest arsenal in your weaponry, Christian, hear me today, is your ability to have intimacy with the Father and the creator of the known and unknown universe. Hear me today. The single greatest overlooked, underappreciated, underutilized thing that you have available to you today is the fact that you have the ability to speak to commune with and have a prayer life with the one who spoke everything into existence that's not hyperbole that's not just great preaching that's not just good theology friends i am telling you you and i together you and i we can have a literal actual factual relationship tangible with the king of the universe and so we took all summer long to dig into this, and today is going to be no different because, friends, there's, a, there's certain levels to this thing called prayer. There's certain areas in this thing called prayer that you and I, we need to begin to tap into, you see, because prayer can't simply just be our complaints. Prayer can't simply just be we go to Sky Daddy, we tell him our sad story like he's unaware, and then we say, here, fix it. He's like, I'm aware. I'm going to take care of you. I have you in the palm of my hand and I've never let you out of it. The second you bent a knee and made me Lord and King, I have you, I have you, and I still have you. And I'm gonna keep you there. But the interesting place this takes a turn for us today is what do we do once God has us? What is our good and right response once we know we're safe, we're secure? 
What do we do once we have a prayer life, an intimate relationship with the Father established? What then is our responsibility? I feel like if we are found in the Father's hand, as Scripture records, if we are found safe in his hand, then once we are in his hand, I kind of feel like maybe we have a little bit of his attention. So friends, what would you do if you had the attention of the creator of the universe? What would you do? How would you respond? If you and I understood this revelation today, that we are found in his presence indefinitely, you have his attention. He has your affection. What do you do next? That's what I hope to establish today because friends, I, I think so often you and I, we, we, we get so filled up on good theology. We get so filled up on good preaching. We get, we get filled up on so many good church services. We get filled up on all of these things and all of a sudden, knowledge, proper theology, solid doctrine, all of which are necessary. It's just not the most necessary. All of a sudden, we are filled up on all of these things and we get so full on knowledge and theology that we, well, we no longer have an appetite for encounter. We no longer have an appetite for experience. We get so full, so high on our own supply, our good tweets, our good ideas, our good preaching, our good church services, our good songs, and suddenly we are full and he's like, wait, I have more. You see, because good theology, good doctrine, it's unto something. Good preaching, good church services, it's unto something, right? This isn't certainly just theological. It has to be experiential. Friends, what we read in the scriptures are reality, not just a reality for a people 2,000 years ago, because we have an ending in the end of the book that is actually after you and I, or maybe in our you and I's time, who also have experience. See, friends, you and I, we are not this red-headed, adopted stepchildren stuck underneath the staircase, never to be given anything. No, 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 we have been reborn. We have been reborn into the family of God. That has to define, that has to shape, that has to form our very existence. And I don't simply mean that you go to church on Sunday, although yes, that's super necessary. Not just that you listen to worship music while you're driving, although yes, that's super necessary. I'm talking about the kind of formation that comes to your life when you realize he is Lord over every thought, every desire, every want, every need, and suddenly we're those strange people in public who are thanking God for the sunshine aloud. We're the strange people in public who are stopping and praying for somebody in a wheelchair without any kind of thought of our reputation. We don't care if it doesn't come to pass in that moment. It's not going to ruin our reputation. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep believing. We're going to get their number. We're going to check in. We're going to go after the things of God as seek, knock at the door. Amen? But this is what it's about. It can no longer simply be that we are in Grand Rapids with all the seminaries, all the Bible colleges, all the Christian universities, more churches per capita than any state, any city in America. It's true. That's an actual statistic, by the way. It can no longer be that we get so full on the things that you and I can produce ourselves that we have ruined our appetite for the experience. 
for the moment we see God move tangibly in our midst. And I believe we saw that today. I think for a lot of churches, we would frighten, we would shriek at the horror of three musicians on a stage. No drums. Because we have made church in our image and likeness. But what's happened today with the string and the keys and all of this stuff, this is so much more closer to what was established in David's tabernacle where God came and ruled and reigned than what we've put out in the last 20 years of Christian commercial music. So when this happens and all of a sudden churches, we don't know what to do. It's not, it's not vibey enough. They didn't start off with a praise banger. You know? Are you seeing the language? Because we've been there. It wasn't hype. Where was the excitement? I wanted to clap. On the one and the three. Because I'm white. And I don't know one and four. It's bad. I don't know one and three either. I t whatever I do, don't do. Okay? It's me and the Lord. You don't got to emulate that at all. But this is really what it's looked like for the last however. And I am telling you, friends, there is an invitation for experience. There's an invitation where we begin to live again the Acts in the Bible. That's why we're going to come out of the book of Acts this morning. Why? Because it's actually, listen, Luke didn't even name it this. The council did, okay? But when, when this letter got around, it was actually a letter unto Caesar to show that the church isn't harmful. That the church isn't disorderly. That the church is here for a greater salvation. That the church exists for a greater God. That we're not just going to come and overthrow Caesar. Instead, we're going to live to get Caesar saved. And they actually ended up accomplishing that like 300 years later. We had one. We had a, we had a Christian Caesar at one point in time. Didn't go well. But for a moment, I'm sure he's in heaven. And it's going to be an interesting experience to meet him one day. His name's Constantine. But this is the reality, friends. This is the reality that we are called to have acts of the gospel, acts of God, acts of Jesus, acts of the Holy Spirit, that this whole entire thing was called the acts of the apostles because it was for you and I to learn whom we're supposed to be post-resurrection, post-infilling of the Holy Spirit, and what it looks like to now be the most peculiar people on the planet who no longer live from the planet. <sighs> well, Pastor Matt, this seems a little highbrow for me. Good. We've settled for too long. We've settled for too long. Well, Matt, this just seems kind of like out of this world. It is. That's the point. You see, the goal when Jesus says, and we're going to get to the scripture in a second, but this is groundwork. You've got to understand, Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us how to pray. We went over this a few weeks ago, right? He goes, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the mandate for how we are to pray. That means that we don't pray earthly means we pray supernatural means into earthly matters. Friends, you and I, we've got to begin to understand that we are Jesus' heaven delivery device. That you and I, we were made to initiate something. We weren't, come, we weren't birthed in fire to come and just simply receive. Consumerism, Christianity, it died with COVID. It died in the lockdowns. It died because those who were consumers no longer came to consume because they were scared. 
They consumed fear over faith. They consumed tyranny over faithfulness. And so the consumeristic Christianity had died. And what happened out of that ash came a beautiful remnant bride again in the earth that is willing to say, yeah, God, let's get weird again. Yeah, God, let's go after the things in the word of God again. You see, friends, we were never intended to simply just keep it status quo. We were here to make it status heaven. We're not here to reproduce what we've seen. We're here to reproduce what he's seen. And guess what he's seen? Heaven. Friends, can I tell you this morning, he says, on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you know when we read the scriptures and we get pictures of heaven, we see God in heaven. And everything in heaven is like God. Everything in heaven is consumed by God. It's been touched by God. It's been drafted by God. It's been designed by God. It's been grafted by God. It's been built by God. Everything in heaven looks like, sounds like, acts like, responds to God. Amen? And so all of a sudden, here you and I are, tasked with being Jesus in the earth, tasked with being his people, no longer I live, but Christ that lives through me, on earth as it is in heaven. That means everywhere we go, friends, should begin to respond to God the way heaven already does. Pastor Matt, this is high concept. Get your standards up. Get your standards up. I'm telling you, friends, now is the time. Now is the time. The only people offended by the moves of God today are the church. Your coworkers get out of a wheelchair six months early, they're not freaked out. They're like, he's real. <laughs> it's the church, it's us. We're the ones who get weird about miracles. We're the ones who get weird about deliverance. We're the ones that get weird about it while our coworkers are living lives that are sending them to hell, filled with demons, just going, I wish I could get rid of these suicidal thoughts. And so they overdose, and they overdrug and they overconsume and they go to this place, this place, this place, every other fount that they know they can go to except for you. I'm telling you, now is our time. Because it's been our time. We just kind of went with the times. We just kind of went with the times. So no longer, I want to invite you, I want to invite you to a place where we act like Jesus and not just in morality and not just lying about our morality when we're in church, but actually living pure, actually living holy, actually living miraculous lives. And I'm going to show that to you in Acts 5 this morning. Today, it's no longer good enough to settle for a pastor. It's no longer good enough to settle for a church and a doctrinal statement. It's no longer good enough to settle for 20 minutes of worship and they better not go over because you got better things to do. Could you imagine how that heart, how those words, how they run hollow in the halls of heaven? I could not imagine standing before the most burning, beautiful, magnificent, 
one, perfect and holy and blameless and telling him, I have better things to do. I'm not coming down on this this morning. I'm raising the water level. I'm saying, friends, I am telling you, there is a look in the eyes of our Father that is saying, come up here still. Come up here, and I will show you what must happen. The miraculous must happen again. There is a life for you, an adventure for you, a calling for you that Michigan has not yet seen, that there is a well of revival that has gone untapped in the mitten. There is something ready to break forth in our region, but it's on the backside of our yes. A shadow of fire. You see, I love the scriptures. I love the Bible. I love the book of Acts. And I love Acts because here's the interesting thing we talked about the last couple weeks. What's interesting is to see how the normies, the regulars, the everyday laymen and women of God interact with God. Right? Because here you and I are. When Jesus says, greater works will you do than even I, we, so some reason we go, he's just saying that. He's just trying to make us feel better about ourselves. He knows we suck. He's trying to get us excited, you know. Like, he understands. He, he's, he's more aware of how my, my failures than I even I am. Like, and we write off the word of God, but Jesus never said a single thing without meaning it. He never said a single syllable without it literally having universe transforming and birthing powers behind it. So when he says, my church will do greater works than even I, it's not because he's putting us ahead of him. It's not because he's making more of us than he should. It's not because he's trying to make us feel better about our sinfulness and our unworthiness. He's speaking life into dead bones and he's saying you were made for more. He's not dumb and he's not aware of 2023. He knew what he was speaking. And probably knew what some of this would come to. And this is the hour, friends. So here we have Acts 5. And there's actually been, bless you, there's actually been two baptisms of the Holy Spirit has already taken place, Acts 2 and Acts 4. This is amazing, right? Because here we go, this slaps in the face every poor theology ever spoken about satianism, about what the reformed community believes, all of these things, the gifts of the spirit of God, all this aren't for today. They die with the last apostles and yet there's zero scripture to back that up. And what there's loads of scripture to back up is the fact that God is still interested time and time again, filling his people with himself. Filling his people with himself and by proxy, overflowing out of you and into the world. You see, what we see right here in this moment is these boys have already been arrested. Acts 4, they were already arrested. They have been arrested. They were already flogged. They were already beaten. They've been arrested. And it was this incredible moment where they went and all of a sudden the council meets together and they're like, we don't get it. They don't have degrees. They don't teach in synagogues with any sort of cosign from another priest or whoever. They got no rabbi around them anymore. Some of these guys are <laughs> no longer doctors. They quit the medical field, so that should tell you something. And they start going down the list of what disqualifies them. And then they arrive at this place, this humbling place that our world will ultimately get to when Christians begin to be Christians again. And they will go, we don't get it. They're uneducated. 
but it's clear they've been with Jesus. It's clear they've been with Jesus. And so they're mystified. They are completely blown away. They're going, we're gonna let them go. But before they do, they charge them, which we just referenced. They said, don't teach in his name, not here. You go anywhere else, but you get out of Jerusalem. You get out of Jerusalem. That man, we recognize all the stuff that happened. We can't explain it all. And it's clear that you have spent some time with him. He's all over you. But we got rid of him. And if you're not careful, we'll get rid of you. And so they let him go. And all of a sudden, after they've been beaten, after they've been flogged, all this happens, Peter gathers the church again. They're back in Solomon's portico, which is a place next to Gentiles in Jerusalem. And this is key for what we're going to talk about this morning. You've got to know that proximity is everything, because this is amazing. But Peter grabs the church, and he goes together, and he says, we've got to pray for boldness. We can't shrink back. That was bad. We were beaten. It was bloody. We didn't appreciate it. The government here wants nothing to do with Jesus. They want their own religion. They want their own king. Kind of sounds a lot like America in 2023, if you ask me. It's time for the church to pray for boldness again. I think the church is praying a lot for survival, but it's time we pray for revival. Too many of us out here, too many of us out here are looking for a ticket out of here. How many of us are giving a ticket to Jesus to get in here? I am telling you, now is the time to pray for boldness because what ends up happening is they pray for boldness. They're in the upper room once again. They're all together again. And this is two years, friends. This is two years of being the church. This is two years of being the church. What's amazing to me right here is that the Holy Spirit falls again in this place. And a second baptism of fire takes place. There's a few things we can discern from that, and I'll get to that in just a second. But the one thing that is resonating in my heart, that has been reverberating in me since May, and I've been trying to figure out how to put language to it without being, well, I'm offensive already, right? <laughs> like, right? welcome to Takeover Church, you know? Everything in me and everything in you that doesn't look like Jesus does not stand a chance. We, we will look like him come heaven or high water, amen? We will look like him. But I've been trying to put language to this because there's something that West Michigan suffers from that Jesus gave an antidote to right in the birth of the church. What's interesting, what's interesting, friends, is that the church wasn't built on Jesus alone. Pastor Matt, you're getting real close to the line. I am. I am all up on that line. That line is his. <laughs> because here's the deal. The church wasn't birthed in Jesus alone. The church isn't run by Jesus alone. The church isn't glorified in Jesus alone. The church isn't perfected in Jesus alone. The church doesn't exist on the words of Jesus alone. Pastor Matt, you right up to it, man. Friends, I want to tell you, because this is going to map out where we go this fall. This is what we are going to give our lives to this fall. Jesus wasn't enough to birth the church. Three years and 40 days with a resurrected Christ was not enough to begin the worldwide great commission and infiltration of heaven called the church, called his people, called his body, called his bride. It wasn't enough, not because Jesus 
in himself is not enough. But because according to God's plan, the only way the church can be birthed is by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. And see, the Holy Spirit, West Michigan, we get, we get a little weird with him. We get a little weird with him because we don't understand him. Jesus, we got some great pictures of him. He looks white in all of them. And we're like, that makes me comfortable. I get that. Looks just like Ewan McGregor. Grandma fell for it. I love Star Wars. That Jesus, I totally understand. I can see him feeding the poor. I can see him going with widows. I can see him doing all of these things that he did. He was a moral figure. Like, I get him. And then there's the Holy Spirit who doesn't have a body who has pictures of him as a dove and pictures of him as a fire, who is all-consuming and yet unrelenting, has no restraints except for what the Father tells him to do. And so for suddenly, for you and I, we get really uncomfortable with him because we don't understand him because we can't control him. The church for 2,000 years has been trying, let's, eh, let's get 1,500 years. For 1,500 years, the church has been trying to control the Holy Spirit. And if we couldn't control him, we would silence him. We would stifle him. We would sterilize him. We would have whitewashed tombs, and we'd call them churches, and they would have the LED screens, and they would have the AC, and they would have the pads going behind everything that makes your arms stand up, and we could fabricate that the Holy Spirit is here while behind the scenes making sure he remains silent. Because we like God as a father. We love God as the son. But we don't really, if we could understand him, we'd care. But because we can't, we don't. But the thing the church has got to get really comfortable with again is that it took the Holy Spirit to birth the church. It wasn't Jesus in the upper room. It was a spirit that raised him from the dead. And two years later, when they were beaten, when they were flogged, when the mission was getting real, when suddenly Christianity began to cost them something, where suddenly Saul was on the move. Yes, Saul, the Apostle Paul. Before he was the Apostle Paul, he was a murdering psychopath called Saul, responsible for the martyr of Stephen, who would then later on end up being a disciple of Peter and a leader in the other church. This is what you and I come from. This is what confounds the world. This is what stirs up the church. And this is what freaks out the religious. How can this be? How can this be? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what takes a murderer and turns him into a martyr. The one that would work for Caesar and then would go and spend his last days before Caesar pleading the case of Christianity in Rome. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the baptism we're going to have. That's the work of this morning. That is who you and I are called to be. This is what the church was birthed from, birthed out of, and birthed for. I appreciate anybody this morning. And so friends, all of a sudden we see this moment, and they're on their way. It says they're on their way to pray again in Solomon's portico. Why is that relevant? Why does Luke begin in this moment? Luke also wrote the book of Acts. He was with Paul and with Peter and he went on all the adventures and he's just really articulate because he's a doctor. So people really love him. That's 
That's the whole point. And then also, if you look at the book of Luke and you look at the book of Acts, you will see all of his cross-references. It's amazing. I implore you, do a personal study sometime between Luke and Acts. It's wonderful. But needless to say, Luke is writing all these things down, and this is inherent because here's the deal. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit, how we treat him today, listen to me, Gen Z, we got the Holy Spirit. We've got liberty. We don't need doctrine. We don't need teaching. We don't need church. I can just go to worship nights. No, you can't. <laughs> well, we got the Holy Spirit. He's a better pastor than you. He is a better pastor than you, but you'll never understand how he's pastoring you without having a pastor. Just throwing it out there. I love Gen Z. You will be suicide free. I bought the t-shirts. I'm going to the send. It's going to be amazing on Saturday. I can't wait. However, however, as great as you are and as great of work that is ahead of you, Gen Z, you've got to understand. It wasn't some pastor who wanted to control you who made the idea of the church. It was Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that birthed it. And it's the Holy Spirit that will sustain it. And it's the Holy Spirit that will pastor it. And it's the Holy Spirit that will lead it. And it's the Holy Spirit that will take you into the greater works that you will do than even Jesus. Glory follows order. The church still matters. She is Jesus' bride. And what you and I do with our lifetimes in the church determines the bride that Jesus receives. So if you love Jesus, you'll love his church. She got problems. We get that. That's why you come to take over. Amen? Amen. Lesser problems. <laughs> Someone's like, well, <laughs> committed to holiness. Yeah, there we go. All right. We'll get there. We'll get there. But needless to say, this is the whole point. And so what is happening in this moment? They're on their way to church. It says it was the time of prayer. So they were going to Solomon's portico. What does that mean? That means there was a time. That means there was a place. That means there was a destination. That means they were committed to the house. So friends, as it ends later in this chapter, we'll skip ahead for a second. It says, in the temples daily and then in house to house, which means this. House church is not church, friends. Small group. It's great. We have them. We call them crews because we do things together. I love houses, but it's not the church. And where things are going is a religious spirit of Jezebel has duped Christianity in West Michigan in particular because we're offended at pastors who actually want us to be holy and not just be how we want to be. So we say, forget you, pastor. We're going to take our tithes, we're going to take our stuff, and we're going to go sit in a little group and have a little hurt session together. All the while, Jesus never walks into that home because it's out of order. Because it was a house birthed in hurt instead of a church birthed in holiness. I preached to anybody this morning. And so this whole thing, it's lining up how the church is to be. Understand this. Luke is writing this down with intention this morning. He is saying, we are on our way. We have a mission, we have a time, we have a place, and there is purpose behind it. It's not just so we can exist for ourselves. No, no, no. If you bent the knee, your life is no longer your own. You go where Jesus says to go. You do what Jesus says to do. You live how Jesus modeled to live, and you pray how Jesus prayed. This is how it goes. Christianity is so much better because you and I, we don't get to make our own decisions. Isn't that great? He invites us into co-labor and all these things, but it's in order to be obedient, not so that we can be subservient. It's not so that we can just take the credit, but we can give all the credit. And so that we can walk in what he has for us, but give him all of the glory on the other side of it. 
You see, friends, the only kind of glory you and I were ever made for is to be consumed in his glory. We weren't made for our own glory. We can't handle our own glory. We are not a vessel fit for our own glory. We cannot have our own praise. We cannot receive these things. We were not made for it because all of a sudden we'll start thinking every greater work that we do than Jesus had something to do with us. Preaching to anybody this morning? No, you were obedient. He empowered you. You were obedient. He empowered you. You said yes and he led you. The beautiful thing about that is that's where you're safe. That's where you're protected. That's where you are being perfected and that you are made in his image and likeness again. And so he's like, we're on our way to Portico. We're gonna go to Solomon's Portico and we're gonna pray and we're gonna seek the Lord. We're gonna go and have church. And all of a sudden it said that people were so nervous around them, yet they were held in the highest esteem. When was the last time the church was held in high esteem? Real talk. When? When was the last time the world held us in high esteem? Billy Graham era, maybe? Do you know what's synonymous with Billy Graham era? Miracles, mass salvations, actual acts of God. The last time the church in America was held in high esteem, friends? And I'm not saying we don't live for the praise of, of those outside the walls. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that the byproduct of actually being Christians and actually living out what the Bible says and how the Bible says is that the world will take recognition of us. The wicked may still come for us as we read in the scriptures, but the world will look upon the church and it will be everything that they can do to throw their people and their brokenness before us because there's something about us that differs. Friends, I came to tell you this morning that it's the miraculous, it's the signs and wonders, it's the fact that God moves through us and among us and around us and out of us and in us that is gonna set the world on fire. Friends, 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 they've had enough of our messages, we need to start being the message. We need to start being the message. And I'm not saying that we don't preach. No, we do preach. Paul says, how will they hear if no one preaches to them? We preach. In fact, they go, continue on at the end of this, preaching and teaching. We preach, absolutely. But I'm saying it's no longer enough to just try and get your friends to the church. That will be the byproduct. But what I see in the future is workplaces that are set ablaze, that families that are resurrected around a dinner table, we're gonna to begin to see the works of the church happen outside of the church. And all of a sudden, like we see in the very next verse, Numbers were added to their multitude all the more. The most amount of numbers to this day yet. Two years. Two years of Holy Spirit-led ministry in the earth. The greatest numbers were being added to them in this moment as they went to church, as they were held in high esteem, and as they went about doing the miracles of God. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, signs are a direction. Well, yeah, we have a lot of signs in our world. Very fewer of the Lord. What if the church's signs rival the signs of this world? What if the church's signs overthrew the signs of this world? What if everything that you and I are called and made to do overthrew all this world was interested in living out? See, this moment is absolutely a miracle. And we've got to take it to heart. It's not enough to do what we've done and how we've done it. There's more. And the crazy thing is, it's like, why, 
Why, why is it possible that we could come to a place like this, experience the tangible presence of God and worship, hear a message about the actual scriptures of God, and yet settle for something less? How is it that we could walk out of here not stirred to lay hands? You see, in this moment, the onlookers, the people outside, the people who don't understand yet, but know there's power in that place. Not because it's Solomon's, not because it's a portico, so it's pretty nice and bougie. Yes, churches had buildings. Churches had cool buildings. Churches had great things. It's not heresy. <sighs> we have a warehouse. I appreciate our warehouse. I would love an old school Catholic church with stained glass windows. Please, Lord. If you're listening, God, which I know you are, give us Fountain Street Church so we can redeem it for the glory of God. One of y'all's liberal friends is going to listen to this and be offended. I was at Takeover Church today and they prayed that they would get Fountain Street. What? Sorry, I couldn't hear you over your mask. Anyways, um, my wife is like, bro, stop. Anyways, we're winning, Lord. But here's the deal. The most amount of multitudes were added to the number, and then Peter's shadow was brought up. Peter's shadow is brought up. What's interesting about Peter's shadow? Absolutely nothing. We all have one. There's nothing interesting about Peter's shadow in and of itself. You want to know what's interesting about Peter's shadow? Is that the outside world believed it had God powers in it. What's interesting is that God honored the beliefs of the Gentiles where Solomon's portico was specifically placed, where their church was at. They went into a place where they weren't supposed to be because they were Jews, but they worshiped of Jesus who allowed the Gentiles in. And all of a sudden, the overflow of the church went to the people furthest from God. And all of a sudden, what we see in this moment is that God is able to use a shadow because the world around them believes they are people of God. Do you understand that? It's not because he stood in direct opposition of the sun in the sky and somehow they got warm and it worked. They weren't just like cooking off their, you know, lameness. No, it's because of the way the church lived inside the sun that the world would receive from them even from their shadows listen to me church greater works will you do Jesus's shadow we don't have a record of it healing anybody and he had a shadow he was a man we have no scripture that's like Jesus shadow passed by and people were healed but what we do have is that Peter's did and Peter's the same guy who denied him three times and one of them was to a little girl on the day that he was delivered up to be crucified. Hear me. Greater works will you do is still available to you and I to this day. It just happens to be on the backside, on the other side, on the flip side of actual faith in the God we claim to serve, we claim to believe in, yet we have no evidence in our lives that would support that. We go to church, but how many of us have laid hands on an arm and see it set free from a cast? How many of us have gone to a hospital and laid hands on a young boy's neck who had cancer, who was certainly going to die in this moment? His name was Jeffrey, and just like that, we saw a literal tumor, huge, clear. A little boy is alive and well, cancer-free to this day. Ain't that right, Zach? Prophet of the house, that was a, that was a moment or a moment when another young woman named Autumn, she came and became part of our church and 
She was here with us for a season. She got healed of cervic cancer. She had cancer in her ovaries. Do you understand? She comes and we lay hands and we prayed and she was healed. Why does this happen? Because there's got to be a church in a region that decides we're not a social club. We are the bride of Christ. And we won't settle for religion. We have to have a relationship. You see, all these things about Peter, all these things about the early church, all these things, they were birthed out of relationship. Worship team, can you make your way up here? They were birthed out of relationship. They were birthed out of prayer. They were birthed out of intimacy. Peter didn't stand in a certain way that casted his shadow in the right light that set the mood that suddenly healed all the onlookers in the street who were on their cots and on their mats and needing a miracle. No, it's called a shadow of fire because Peter lived in the fire. Peter lived in the presence of God. The early church had set times to gather and they were there. They had set times to pray and they did it. Well, Pastor Matt, you're just getting legalistic with it. No, we call it disciplined liberty here. We call it disciplined liberty here. What's amazing to me is that disciples of Jesus, which means disciplined in the ways of Jesus, complain about people putting liberty up. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We're the church generation that were so hurt by legalism. And yeah, maybe some things were overstepped in those days for sure. I agree with you there. But I think we can all recognize it truly came out of a place of men and women of God wanting to see the next generation saved. I think there was some men and women of God 50 years ago in some 25-person churches in some towns you and I have never heard of who prophetically saw 2023 coming and they saw all gender bathrooms and they saw unicorn worship and they saw all these things happen coming in the prophetic. They were praying and they saw the way it was going to go and so they set boundaries and they told you how to live and they said, yeah, it's not great for your salvation that you continue to sleep with someone you're not married to. It's not great for your salvation, your relationship with Jesus that you continue to drink and do drugs and run with the friends that you do. They put their foot down in hopes of stopping us from this very point in time. I honor them. I honor them. And I say thank you for having the courage to tell the single most rebellious generation to walk the earth yet. No. No. And now because we got hurt, now we're the ones tasked with coming back to the truths of God. We can't live however we want to. This is not choose your own adventure. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we only come back to the Father through one. So much so that soon we're going to be in this next moment. We're Christians. We already saw it the last few years. We're being arrested in Canada. He just got, the main pastor who kept getting arrested, he just got cleared of all charges. Praise God. But all these things that we saw, all these things that were ripped away, all these things about Christianity that's still being moved against, it's demonic and we got to recognize it as such. Friends, you cannot cure what you do not know you have. And if we don't recognize the world has demons and devils operating in it, just like it has you and me as the church operating in it, we are fooling ourselves. 
The devil's got an army, the devil's got people, the devil's got minds, the devil's got souls, the devil has his foot in a lot of things in this world. Where is Jesus' foot? Where is Jesus' hands? Where is Jesus' voice in our elections? Where is Jesus' voice in America? Where is Jesus' voice in Michigan? Where does Jesus get a word in? I hear his word go forth in a lot of churches, but when has his word gone out of the church? Because what we're seeing in this moment is the exact representation of what will happen. Because all of a sudden these boys, they're healing everybody, every unclean spirit, every sickness, they were healing them. Why? Because they believed the word of God. At this point, they had so many people doing miracles that were with them. They weren't even people who physically walked with Jesus. They were their own disciples. They were recent converts. They were freshly saved. And yet they believed the guys that walked with Jesus. That's why I don't build my theology off some dumb TikToker and Instagrammer. I go to the Bible to the guys that walked with Jesus, that walked with Jesus, that walked to the guys that walked with Jesus. I go back to the closest of the source and we go, that is where our hope comes from. And so all of a sudden they get arrested again or gently brought before the council. <laughs> they get brought before the council and what we see in the book of Acts is interesting. You see the, the Pharisees, they kind of take a different turn because at this point, there's been enough Jesus activity, whether from Jesus or his people, to realize that, okay, there, there might be something to this man. There might be something to this one that we slayed. And so one Pharisee speaks up in this meeting and says, listen, listen, listen. I understand you're frustrated, I get it. It's messing some things up for us. It's messing with our taxes, it's messing with our money, it's messing with our ability to control people. I get it. But what if it is God? What if it is God? That's what he's saying. They said to them, we charge you not to speak his name. And they say, we have got to speak in the name of God, not honor the name of man. We have got to honor God, not honor man. And so they must preach, they must heal, they must cast out demons, they must deliver, they must be the church. And so Camaliel, he, he says, listen, many have rose in similar fashion. Many have gathered numbers in similar fashions. But those men died and their churches dispersed. We killed the one who's the head of their church. He rose again, and the church is vibrant. So if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. And if it's not, it'll take care of itself. This is, this is the way. And so what's amazing is, I'm assuming Gamaliel went along with this part. But they brought the church back in, the leaders of the church, and they beat them. <laughs> we're not going to lock you up, but we're just... You're angering us, so we're gonna take it out on you. And so they persecuted him one more time and sent him on their way. And you see, the church's response to persecution, the church's response to a broken world, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it doesn't say that they necessarily fought back. It doesn't say that they necessarily went along with it either. 
But what it does say is that they thank God that they were worthy of suffering for the name of Christ. They were worthy of suffering for the name of Christ. Would you stand? There's only one thing that can compel a human being to rejoice and to thank God for the beating they just took. There's only one thing that could compel people to praise God after they went through the hardships they went through, after they went through the lockups they went through, after they went through all the things they went through. There's one thing. And His name is the Holy Spirit. There's a reason Jesus had to return to the Father. And He says it's so the Helper, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit can come. There's a reason that the last 2,000 years of church has looked the way it has because we've slowly stifled His work and His voice in the church. And there's a reason this church looks so very different from the church in 2023. It's because we thought we could build on good ideas, solid doctrine, and great theology of Jesus and Jesus alone. But friends, if Logos, the written word, is ever going to benefit the living church, it has to be spoken and prayed over and made alive again by Rhema, the Spirit of God. So where we're going, we're about to sing it too, all-consuming fire. Where we're going is a burning church. It's a burning people. It's a burning body. It is a burning bride where we have eyes of fire as our bridegroom has eyes of fire. Where we are fire from the waist down and the waist up as Ezekiel describes Jesus as being as fire from the waist down and the waist up. We are going to be a people consumed by the fire of God who go out and consume with the fire of God and who live within the fire of God. I'm believing for shadows of fire to be birthed in the earth again. We're suddenly people know there is a corporate center in Grand Rapids that if you were to bring people at 9.30 and put them in our path, we would drive by them, we would walk by them, we would greet them, and they would be made well, they would walk, creative miracles would happen, and we would see resurrection in the streets again. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song. If you're going to get baptized today, listen to me. This is for anybody. The invitation to get baptized today is for anybody in this house. You want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ has been Lord and Savior. Maybe you were baptized as a kid and you didn't understand what that meant. Maybe you were baptized in a rebellious time in your life and you've been wayward and far away, but today you want to come home. Whatever it is, maybe you didn't plan on getting baptized today. We've got more shirts and we've got a lot of towels. This is your moment. We're going to sing this song. The altar is open. If you want to get changed for the baptism, go and do so now. But what we're going to do in this moment is we're going to praise Him one more time, and then we're going to get cleaned afterwards. Amen? So today, if you weren't planning on getting baptized or you were unsure, 
this is your moment. Pray into it. Ask God in this moment, is this my time? And I'm telling you, it'll be an indefinite yes. I don't know why we would wait on this moment. Today is a public declaration of an inward change. And in this moment, we are going to see Jesus begin to rule and reign through your lives. Amen? All right, let us worship. Go get changed. And if you want to do this, we'll, we'll have rules in a moment, but let us worship the King. Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I ask right now, Lord, as we lift our hands, as we begin to sing, God, as we begin to rejoice right now, Lord Jesus, that we would say to you, we give you our lives emphatically and entirely, every single portion, every single part, every chamber of our heart, every lobe of our mind, every part of our body, God, we give it to you. It is in subject to you, God. Today, Lord Jesus, we say, we're through with wrestling. We just surrender. We're through with wrestling. We just surrender. We're through with wrestling we just surrender we've wrestled all service and right now we say I surrender to you Jesus we surrender God find a yield of surrendered people and move in their midst Holy Spirit come baptize us afresh even now and as we begin to sing all-consuming fire Lord I pray you would honor these words with a fresh touch, a fresh fire, a fresh breath of God in this room, in this moment for every single lady and every single man represented here today. Come and burn upon us again, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, let us worship. Amen.